Welcome to episode 107 of Ready Press Play, recorded on January 27th, 2022. We're your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Today, we'll be talking about our 2022 predictions, new Star Wars games announced, and The Rock in a video game movie. Stay tuned. What's up, players? This is your host, Dan Lima, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Louis Menchaca. You know, Dan, Joel, he just missed the deadline. I'm pretty uh, sure he's got the song finished, but and he tells me it's really good, Okay, but I'll have to wait until next week to find out with you. All right. I trust Joel. You know, I want him to take his time. I don't like to rush artists. You know, art can't be rushed. I gotta, gotta yeah. give him his time to get it right. The um, worst part is, is like, what if it's already done and he just didn't, he just didn't send it to me. He didn't, he didn't drop possible. off to me. I would be so pissed. Very possible. <laughs> well, you know, so uh, yeah. our listeners are going to have to wait yet another week or perhaps more to listen to our new exciting intro that, who knows, maybe we won't even approve of it, by the way, you know, we probably <laughs> got to listen to it, you know, maybe we're going to get some revisions done, you know, we're going to go, hey, can you, can you tighten up the bass here on this part or whatever? <laughs> Where's where's our snare? You know, I yeah, snare in our headphones. <laughs> uh, we'll see how it goes. Do you know if he's taking like a different approach, like a different inspiration? We know that the original one is very. Uh, I think he described it as like more like cerebral, cerebral, like more like Metroid, like serious. Maybe we're going to something more chiptuny, more fun. Or do you know anything about that? Uh, no, I have no idea. Like he just said, he just said to me on like on a text message. Let me let me go to my text message here. He says, mm, da, 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 uh, "Damn it." All right. Whoa, I can't find it. I can't find the, the text message. He said, he basically said, uh, okay, he says, not going to lie, this, one's the, this one is the best yet, is what he said. So. All right, all right. We're, uh, we're building the hype here. You know, Lewis, I wanted to talk to you about this, and then I didn't last week. I was wondering if maybe uh, we tease shit too much. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I was thinking about this the other day, because you know when a company goes out there, like, you know, like some game company... And they're like, hey, we want to announce that in a few months, we're going to have something to say. And then you're like, oh, and then it's like a few months go by. And it's like, hey, we're announcing that we're going to have an event to review a new thing in like two months. And then you get to the <laughs> event and it's like, here, we're about to show you our new game. And then there's like a logo. Right. And then that's it. And it's just like, I feel like the games industry has gotten into this habit where like we just kind of tease things a little too much and a little too far ahead when it's actually really cool to just get a surprise dropped out of nowhere you know what i mean mm. like to just kind of be compare that versus you know you're watching e3 and then suddenly you know the metroid song plays and you see you know metroid dread for the first time or whatever and you had no idea it was coming right um, yeah that makes sense yeah, i don't know like i think i think there's like a fine line between transparency and like i don't know like that get hype moment, I guess. I yes. Don't know, but like, I don't yes. know. Is, it, is a theme song really a get hype moment, though? Like no, this, no, this prob- probably not. Probably not. But I just, <laughs> I just wanted to give some food for thought, put it out there for you know the audience, for you. You know, I, I kind of miss the days where something could just be dropped. You know what I mean? And it didn't have to be like, well, you know, in in uh, seven weeks, you know, we're gonna be doing this well, thing. And you yeah. know what? We didn't, we didn't really like 
we kept episode 100 a secret you know that we didn't really we sort of teased it that but we true. never said like we were already met in person we never said publicly anything on twitter we didn't say what we did nothing that's right that's right yeah episode 100 was like a complete like you know blindsided by anyone who followed us as, as fans or whatever and then not to mention like the ending also was a, a surprise even to you yeah yeah that's correct that's correct yeah but then you also teased that there was going to be a surprise for like Weeks and weeks, right? So there's that's it. So there, there, yeah, there, there, there's a balance there. But uh, you know, you know what's not a surprise, Lewis? What's that? the the fact that you did a uh, Cogs in the Machine episode two this week? Because you know we already knew that that was going to happen. So there's my segue there. <laughs> you know, but what is a surprise? What is a surprise? Uh, the number of views that we got. I was nice. like, we hit we hit triple digits, and I'm like, holy crap! Dang. Dang, good job, yeah. good job. That's like way, that's like double what we've ever done on like Ready Press Play, like on yeah. its best episode, you know? I did um, in and out on that episode, you know, like I watched the first episode live when you guys were doing it, you know, it, it worked out where I was still at work, but I didn't have any meetings going on. So I just kind of had it in my ears while I was, I was coding and stuff. And then um, this one, I was a little bit more busy. I had a little bit more going on. So I was like, oh, I'll listen to 10 minutes for like 10 minutes and then get out and then listen to it again. But uh, you guys were uh, were comparing, right? Like looking through different games and what they look like in trailers versus what they look like when it when they came out, right? Or not yeah. Yeah, gameplay trailers even versus when they came out. Uh, that yeah, was very yeah. cool. So we wanted like, a fir- initially was like, the, the question was, can games be too good? Like, as in like, can you set yourself up for failure? But then like, we never even answered that question. We went, we yeah. went into a whole diatribe and it essentially became an episode about like, um, we were basically doing postmortems on a bunch of games of like, yeah. Where how they set themselves up from a marketing PR standpoint, and like what we ended up getting as a final product, did it like live up to the hype? Where did it go wrong? You know what could have been done better? You know, you know all that kind of stuff. A lot of times, yeah. a lot of times the marketing department like dropped the ball in a lot of these cases and stuff like that. So you know, we just sort of did that. There are parts where it's marketing, but there are parts where it's more like where I feel like they're more like an, a more innocent type of mistake, perhaps, which is that hey. You know, the developers get told early on, you know, we're going to be showing this level at, uh, you know, at E3 or whatever in six months. So we just got to make sure that level is as beautiful, as pretty, as perfect as it can be. And then, you know, people will just work at it. And it also like that kind of stuff really disrupts development, by the way, because if you're working on other stuff, let's say like you're uh, you're an artist and you're making art for like 10 other levels and et cetera, but you got to hold that off or just become less productive at doing that because you got to go and redo all the art for like this one level or like polish it up and add new things and etc uh and then people just work really hard and and uh certain things will get faked but that's not like like all games are is faking right like we're constantly like doing things coming up with scenarios where you know we're we're trying to unload these things you know when the when the player's looking at direction we're unloading things behind them and they only exist when they're actually being looked at and stuff like that there's there there's all sorts of things that are being faked into a game and that's just how games are made right that's how you get what you can what you get from games uh but then there's also like you're going to put an extra effort you know knowing that you're going to be showing this level from this angle in this way you can also put an extra effort into make sure that things are in quotes faked in such a way that uh you know they just kind of show what he really envisioned the game to be ultimately. Yeah, uh, but then it's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then, but then, but then you get that out and you're so excited about it. Uh, but then you get back to the reality where you actually got to do, you know, build a whole game and you can't necessarily build a whole game to that quality bar unless, you know, you delayed it another three years or something. So 
um you just kind of you know once it's like reality check hey we're actually you know you know this artist actually got to go and, and do another uh 10 levels over the next year and they just spent six months on just this one so that's not how it's gonna that's not how it's gonna go right so right yeah it's just it's just one of those things where um when you talk to developers most of them hate the process of having to put together these e3 demos and, and etc by the way it's just so well, much work that just kind of bites you in the ass at the end, usually. Yeah, so if you want to see uh, Hugger and I to go over game by game, um, like different examples, uh, as well as me go over, like, go on some rants and stuff on some fighting games, then, you know, that's the that's the show to watch. It's a four-hour and 20-minute long Damn. podcast. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, well, also, by the way, pre- you know, before like Cogs in a Machine, like when it was a thing, like you know, last year before I was the host, like that was four hour episodes were the standard. So like it's kind of it didn't like re- recording it didn't feel like it four hours. I'll tell you that much. We just sort of kind of kept going. You know, cool. Well, I hope yeah. you guys had fun for the four hours that it took to record that. Cogs is <laughs> on every Tuesday. Wait, Tuesday is that right? Yes. Yeah. yes. Every Tuesday on the Level One Gaming Channel. Uh, but here we meet. Every Friday morning to discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, while we're playing big topics of the industry and the games we love. Now we shall get started with our topics of discussion. You know, Louis, the good thing about having that intro there is that it gives you plenty of time to, you know, get, find the sound effect, have it ready to play and etc. So you have no excuses to take more than, you know, two seconds or one second to play it now. Yes. Um, last week we did a... You know, we look back into our predictions for the year 2021, uh, which which ended, and well, obviously, <laughs> and I didn't beat Lewis. I destroyed Lewis. Oh wow! Uh, in that in that prediction game, you know, I, I think our final score was like four to one or something like that. I don't even remember. Um. So now, Lewis, what, what we're now gonna do our predictions for 2022? How confident do you feel with your predictions today? Okay, basically, like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I made up all these predictions today, like, I normally would have spent, like, at least a good three-day lead-up of, like, coming up with some <laughs> decent-ass predictions. These are, like, the most, um, I would say, basic bitch predictions I've ever done in, like, any prediction special ever. Okay, Number so one, you're, basic. you're going for the win, you know, last, right. last year you were going for the dreams, now you're going for yeah. the win. Yeah. You know, what's actually kind of funny is like, I've always, I've done a lot of anti predictions. Like this will not happen because like I have now, instead of like being hopeful, I am now being like doubtful Mm, or dreadful. Like I I am, I got all the negativity in my predictions this year. There's, there is one slightly positive prediction, but it's also kind of uh, a little jaded too in that one too. Like my only good one is also jaded. Okay. Okay. So why don't you start us off and give us your first prediction today? All right, my first prediction is there will not be a Nintendo Switch Pro or a Nintendo Switch 2 or any new SKU of a Nintendo Switch this year. Interesting. You know, All right. Let me let me start let me start off by saying the rationale. Okay, there's a, it's a okay. 2 for 1 win. It's a win-win. Number 1, I win if like Nintendo doesn't do it, like I get the I get the point, but also if Nintendo does the exact opposite of what I want them to do, right? Like you know, with the whole Metroid Prime stuff and, like, the Legend of Zelda stuff, like I did for last year's predictions? Yeah. Like, if they go against me, then I win, too. Yeah, because you got the Switch Pro. Good. That's a good strategy. That's like, you know, when you bet on sports, people say that you should bet against your team. That's that's an advice that I've seen people give. Because then, if your team wins, 
you didn't win money, but at least you're happy that your team won. But if your team loses and you're disappointed, at least you got to make some money. So it's not that bad after all. <laughs> uh, I like that strategy. So that's basically what you're doing there. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, the, the interesting thing is that we have gotten some kind of new skew of the Switch almost like every every year that it's been on the market with the exception of maybe like one year or whatever. Uh, so that's why I've reiterated before in our conversations about this that I think it's very likely that we'll still see just yet another skew this year. Uh, but who knows? Maybe not. Maybe not. There's, I think, I, I'll say there's a 50-50 chance from my perspective. So were you, were you uh, betting on a new SKU this year, personally? Um, I don't have a prediction for it, but I lean yes, more so oh, than now. yes. Interesting. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't get me wrong. Like, I know that there's the rumors about, like, the Nintendo Switch Pro and all that stuff like that. I yeah. get it. But, like, honestly, like, whenever, like, when you, when you, you can only take so much heartbreak. Whenever you can, yeah. you're constantly getting stood up. You know, you just it's, don't want to, like, show up to it, the date anymore. It's best not to expect it at this point, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So my first prediction, I consider it kind of safe, but we'll see. My prediction is that between Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad, those are the two new WB games, one of them from WB Montreal and the other one from Rocksteady. They're both slated to come out this year. I think one of them does, and the other one gets pushed to next year. So that's my prediction right there. I... If if both if both games get delayed, I get zero points on this. I'm saying one of them gets delayed and the other one releases this year, right? You know what's kind so of interesting it. is that we've seen a lot of footage of of uh, the Suicide Squad, and so that one is kind of safe to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And when it comes to Gotham Knights, we were like, it was supposed to come out last year in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Like it was, yeah. they showed like a a whole level, a whole last level that was completed. Uh, being yeah. played during the reveal so like i'm willing to bet that something about it is completed so unless they scrap something or whatever but like hella yeah. delay like i think they're both gonna ship because in my in my envisioning of those both those projects is like they're both like at the they're both ready to cross the finish line or close to it so my theory is that they're not going to want to release both games too close to each other they're going to want to spread out the the earnings um, so I think that if they both get done, they pick one to get at some extra polish and they push it to like spring next year. Um, Damn. so I think That's... that we're, I actually think we're going to see Gotham Knights release this fall. And I actually, I think Suicide Squad will be like a, like a March next year kind of game. Damn. Um, that's, that's yeah. pretty, uh, I like your, I like your, I like your 40 chess thing going on. <laughs> All right, Louis, your turn again. All right, so the rumor, uh, the current rumor, and I Googled it just to d- double check, the current rumor is that the PSVR 2 is slated for a holiday 2022 release. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not officially said by Sony, just the journalists are like, you know, reading into the tea leaves and predicting that, right? Okay. So the, the you know, PSVR 2, you know, it's a show at CES, even, it was even showcased at CES this year, as well, like in a couple weeks ago. Um, it will not release in 2022. It will get delayed. Dang. And I'm pretty sure internally they want it to come out in holiday, but it won't. Do you think that will have something to do with the, uh, you know, the component shortages and stuff like that? Like, do you think they're going to wait, hold off on getting it to market? Maybe even when more PS5s are out there, perhaps? Yeah, I think they're, the chip shortage is, is going to be a huge uh, component. I mean, obviously, you need to get PS5s also sold as well. Um, I just think that, like... They're, they're going to want to have a good launch lineup, so giving mm-hmm. developers more time to, to have these games ready, to have a better, like, not in, like, a, a abysmal, like, launch, wind, launch lineup like Nintendo Switch with its two games or whatever, but, right. like, 
you know, I think I think they want to do it right, and uh, and yeah, I think it, it works both ways. You know, chip shortage, you're probably going to want to you know get your inventory up and give give uh, more time for developers. Sounds good. My next prediction is the following. All right, we we've been seeing a lot of big studios, big publishers get acquired. The most recent one was Activision Blizzard getting acquired by Microsoft. Okay. I believe that this year we'll see more of those types of acquisitions. And I am committing to one of those three companies being acquired by a bigger company. So it's going to be either. Now that I'm doing an either or here situation. So there's three ways that I could get this right. Okay. It's going to be either Ubisoft or Square Enix or Capcom. So I believe one of those three companies will be acquired by one of the big players in the games industry this year. Now, who are those big players? Could be Microsoft once again, could be Sony, could be Tencent, could be any of those companies that are gobbling up the games industry. It's going to get either Ubisoft or Square Enix or Capcom. Uh, could it be Nintendo? <laughs> I mean, theoretically it could, but I find it highly unlikely because that's not really the way Nintendo operates. And their market um, cap isn't as big as the others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what well, it could also be Google, maybe, maybe Google yes, or yes, someone yeah. or Facebook, or Netflix. That would be yeah. weird, but yeah, who knows, right? Yeah, like Facebook, yeah. like okay, big big companies with with billions of dollars in revenues in in a quarter. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and and the reason why I say that is because I feel like here's what's happening. Obviously, we have you know like all of the small independent companies out there, right? Um, many many of them. And then we got these big top guys at the top, you know, Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, Tencent, and then these other, you know, tech billionaire companies, Amazon, you know, Facebook, etc. Meta, really. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's these companies that are in the middle, actually, because, you know, Ubisoft, Square Enix, or Capcom, we think, we think of them as big publishers, but they're, they're not nearly as big as Activision Blizzard. You know, if you think of, like... <laughs> If you think of something like um, like an indie studio like that game company or something, and then you think of Activision Blizzard, these publishers, they, they live somewhere in the middle, um, more so in the middle than you would think. Because um, yeah. Activision Blizzard just has that much larger of a market cap than these other publishers do. So I don't think these companies that are in that layer, um, I, I think that there will be a lot of opportunity for them um becoming part of these other um of these other corporations and i think a major candidate that i've been thinking about even though i don't think anybody else is talking about it is ubisoft i, I don't think, see yeah. i don't see ubisoft being bought though like they they try to avoid a a, a huge corporate like takeover uh like a couple of years ago uh I'll, by this other company i i understand but you circumstances at ubisoft have changed a little bit since then if you don't remember, Ubisoft was also involved, is also involved in similar types of lawsuits as Act oh, yeah, Activ right. Activision Blizzard is. Uh, they also have their kind of public image is going down significantly over the last few years. Uh, you know, the fans of their franchises are not necessarily happy with the direction of the company. Um, they keep trying to kind of reinvent themselves and do things different. And I'm not sure it's working out that well. Um, so I don't know. I just, they're, they're starting to look more purchasable to me than they did maybe two or three years ago. Yeah. And also yeah. like, I know Capcom was almost at the brink of like bankruptcy as well, by the way. And like, yeah. that was years ago. Um, but like, you know, Cap I can, the only way I, the only people I see Capcom selling to is Sony. 
Like that's the mm -hmm. only I can see Capcom being a uh, a PlayStation first party studio. But other than that, like yeah, I, I just yeah, they do seem kind of purchasable at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We'll mm. see. We'll see. What's your number three, Lewis? Uh, okay. So my number three is that Fortnite will not return to the App Store. However, if it were to return to the iPhones or iPads, it would be through like Safari and a web installer, kind of that kind of situation. That that we already covered. So that's already. Wait, happened. is that already? That has was that already happened. Yep, yep, yep. That was an extra news story last week. Shit. That, yeah. So well. Actually, let me be more clear. Uh, Fortnite will become playable on the GeForce Now service, oh which my God. works through the Safari streaming. browser, streaming. right? So via streaming. So no. that that is already official, but mm. I don't know if I'm that's talking, what you mean. I'm talking like installing the game natively, you know, through like the, the actual iPhone processing it through its internal processor and graphics right. card or like graphics right. chip. Okay. I'm talking yeah. about that. That's a that's a fair prediction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, I mean, like, I honestly doubt that it's going to even come to the iPhone or iPod, period. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. other than the streaming thing, like, and I, uh, um, I'm talking to like, you know, you know, how iPhones, they always come out with a new iPhone and a new iPad and it's a new A13 Bionic, whatever the hell. And it's like, and mm -hmm. they always go to those Apple presentations to show off the, the graphics capability of what it can render. And, uh, yeah. I'm talking about, it's not going to use any of that at all. Mm -hmm. I mean. We never use stream that way, but still, I, I'm just, my, my prediction is that like, I just don't think that you can install the app on your phone or your iPad. Right. Fair enough. My number three prediction is that the game Starfield is going to release on time. What do I mean by that? The date 11, that we 11. have right now that got announced last year, which is 11, 11, 22, right? Like you said, it's going to hit that date and it's a double-sided prediction. My second part of my prediction is that the game will be widely considered a Game of the Year contender. What does that mean? To be clear, not necessarily the Game Awards, most likely in the Game Awards, but if it wasn't nominated in the Game Awards, but it did for IGN, GameSpot, Game Informer, whatever, and was generally considered a Game of the Year, then that would count as well. So I think basically what I'm saying is the game will hit, it will be celebrated, it will get a high Metacritic, and it will be on time. So... Theoretically, it's almost like a non-prediction because that's kind of what's supposed to happen. But, <laughs> but you, you never know these days, right? I, I'm right. basically predicting it will not be a cyberpunk situation. It will be a good situation. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna reorder my prediction just to count, just to sort of okay. you know go with yours because I, I already had them all written out, but I'm gonna bring this one up forward. Uh, I wrote all of the nominees of the Game Awards for the most anticipated game 2021 will be nominated for the Game of the Years uh, at the Game Awards as long oh. as they are eligible, i.e. they don't get delayed. So okay. for the list, those nominees of those five games were Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Breath of the Wild 2, and Starfield. That's a good, that's a good prediction. It's actually, I mean, let's think about it, right? Like Horizon, not getting delayed. It's about to come out. God of War, we've seen quite a bit of it. I think it already got delayed one It's probably yeah. going to hit. Yeah. It's probably going to hit. Elden Breath Ring is Wild. about to come out. Yeah. yeah. So I think all of them, What and then Breath of the Wild, what's the fifth one? Starfield? I Starfield think? is dated, so we got that. So it's it's going to be eligible as long as it hits, hits its date. So as you know long as Breath of the Wild 2 comes out in this year before the Game Awards cutoff date, then all five of them, in theory, 2022 games, and they're all going to come out 
and they're all yeah. going to be nominated for Game of the Year at the Game Awards. That's my I think, prediction. I think that uh, that's a pretty safe prediction. I think you have a good chance of getting it completely right. I would not be surprised if one of those games got delayed, um, but you know, probably not, and probably not more than one. And yeah. I think all of those games have the potential to hit and be Game of the Year contenders. Um, Honestly, if all I, five of them hit, like this would be one of the best years in gaming. That would rival sure. like that would rival like 2013 and 2018. And I'll tell you that that's not even including all of the big games that are slated to come out this year because we also got Hogwarts Legacy and other things as well, like the the Gotham Knights, Suicide Squad that we just talked about. Um, you know, I'm gonna tell you this. I think that Horizon will not be in that conversation. Oh my god! Yeah, and I think I think it's because Horizon Something's gonna will get... be. Something is gonna like this. You gotta you gotta make room for something else. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think right by the end of the year. Think about it. That's coming out in like a few weeks, Fe- right? February. I, yeah. I think by the end of the year that will have been overshadowed, perhaps by Breath of the Wild again. You know, like I think that's that, so fucked up because it got yeah. overshadowed by Breath of the Wild the first time. It's just, but at least it got nominated. You know. Yeah, it's just such a big heavy year that I'm not sure if that game's gonna have enough to well, stand out. I not, like, I would say Elden Ring would probably be more forgettable, right? than for horizon but the the people that vote on these the fucking uh from software fans they're just you know they they always put their the from software game of the year is always nominated up there you know sekiro sekiro won game of the year like two years ago that's true that's true um we'll see like like i said i also got i also like in my wording i caught i did a catch-all so i said as long as they're eligible so right as long as they don't get delayed then basically i'm saying that all of them will get nominated, provided that they're eligible. So if one of them gets, like, if one of them gets delayed, like, let's just say God of War Ragnarok is 2023 all of a sudden, like, mm-hmm. then my prediction is still true, as long as the other four do get nominated this year. So, okay. bam. I'm going to reorder mine a little bit here as well, just to kind of have a more exciting one coming up next. Uh, my number four is that Nintendo will, in quotes, dominate this year. Uh, especially on the second half of the year. I think that on the second half of the year, Nintendo will release at least two, perhaps three, A-tier releases, possibly Game of the Year material, high-quality games. And I'll tell you where that prediction comes from. One of them is obviously Breath of the Wild 2, right? Okay. That hits. But I think... Nintendo must have another big gun coming out this year because there's a lot of the Nintendo studios, like the the Mario team, the you know the 3D Mario team, the Mario Kart team, that's just been too quiet for so long. We got Metroid Prime Four, that's also been too quiet for too long. I think we're gonna see alongside Breath of the Wild two. I think we're gonna see another like A tier, ninety plus Nintendo game coming out. I think we're we're gonna have another 2017 situation for the Switch. I can I can I I would love that honestly. <laughs> like I I've been that's wanting, an optimistic prediction. Yeah, yeah. I've been wanting I've been wanting Nintendo to have 2017 like like constantly, but you know, <laughs> yeah. They like honestly 2017 was like the worst and the best for the Switch because I think that expectations were set too high after 2017. Yeah. But I think yes. it's really about time we see Metroid Prime Four again because the they restarted development right three years early ago, 20, early twenty nineteen. So it's been three years. Like they must have something to show. 
It's unbelievable. It would be unbelievable if this year went by and they still didn't have anything to show. You know, honestly, but. to tell you the truth, like, I really don't think uh, Metroid Prime 4, or, yeah, I don't think it's going to come out this year at all. At best, no, we'll it, see gameplay trailers. No, it very well might not. What I'm saying is that we will need to see it, right? Like, it's, I, you know what's funny? I think that that game is going to ultimately disappoint. And it's just because <laughs> it's the wait has been so long. The expectations are through the roof. Like, how are they going to, how are they going to top that? I don't know. I don't know. Well, Metroid Dread had some pretty high expectations as well because it was the end of the 2D saga, like the official canon True. thing, and people loved it. So, like, honestly, like, I don't think Metroid Prime needs to reinvent the wheel like Breath of the Wild did in order mm-hmm. to be happy. In order for people to be happy. Right. So. Okay, Lewis, what's your number five? All right. My number five is the PS5 and the Xbox Series X will not be on store shelves this year. If they Dang. do make it to retail, they will sell out the same day they get stocked. So what that means is Dan and I can't just casually walk into a Best Buy or a Walmart and just see it there, like right. plentiful, like, you know, at three or more boxes in the, in the cabinet kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that is what I'm predicting. Fair enough. Probably the case. Pessimistic prediction, but probably true. <laughs> you know, what's kind of funny is like, it, like in 2020 with the shortages happening, like, I honestly would not have made I, I, the thought of making that prediction for all of calendar year 2022. That's still going to be the case. It's insane to think about it that yeah, way. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, I got some more boring ones coming up now, but whatever. Okay. Um, my next one is that Forspoken, that game that we've seen a few times. Um, it's going to come out this year on, on the date that it's set to come out to or whatever. It, okay, I'm not committing to a date, but it's going to come out this year uh, and it's going to get mediocre to just kind of average reviews i'm predicting it will land somewhere between a 60 to a 75 on metacritic okay i can sort of (laughs) dig it that's like the the square is it the square or capcom i can't remember but like i just remember like it was looking like a cool acid oh square yeah it was looking like a cool ass adventure game for the ps5 right it was yeah yeah here's the thing about this game I, i i've been thinking about this game a lot because the first time I saw this game, I was like, man, this actually looks really fucking cool. Yeah. And then they showed it again. And when they showed it again, I was like, hmm, this starting to look a little bit more, I don't know, like not as cool as as it first did. And I'm I'm getting this like, th- this is not a very educated opinion necessarily. This is more of like just a like a hunch. I'm, I'm getting this hunch that this is going to be more of like a like a double A type game. Um. And not one that uh, stands out, especially in a year that has like Elden Ring and, you know, Horizon and God of War and everything else. I, I have a feeling this is going to be one of like the medium. There we go. I, th- I yeah. think this is going to be another the medium. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, my next prediction is consumers will have a better understanding of what the metaverse is. And just to give you a little bit more details, I think that a company will have something launched this year that is semi-successful and will sort of set the blueprint for what metaverses are. Interesting. Because I think, you know, we've seen the Facebook presentation already, right? And like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, showed us, you know, his idea of it. But I don't think that until people can actually like, until your average Joe consumer can actually like go into the metaverse, whether it be through, you know, VR or AR or something else, like until that actually does happen, you know, people just sort of see it as an abstract thing that no one's going to talk about. So 
I think something will come come out this year, like of some kind of product type thing, you know, um, and it will sort of set the tone and will, you know, you and I, even us can discuss and actually have an understanding of what metaverse even is. Fair enough. I, yeah, I don't think I really understand it quite yet. So I would be excited about some, <laughs> some product or something coming out that actually kind of exemplifies how it's supposed to work. Um, mm. And I hope it doesn't involve NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this. Um, what was that PlayStation 3 thing that got like, was it PlayStation Home? Yes. Like, yeah. Wasn't PlayStation Home basically like a metaverse in and of itself or no? Yeah. There's a better one. Meverse. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, I guess so. There yeah. was, there's this very old thing, um, video game called Second Life um, from honestly like decades ago, I think. And it was supposed to be a metaverse. It was supposed to be like a game where you went in and, and you lived in this world and you can you could buy like advertisement space into it and you could put like a oh my god know, put your brand on a billboard and 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 stuff and oh um, my god i i think this was from the 90s actually um but it just it didn't i don't think it ever really hit it was just it ended up becoming just kind of this cult weird the, thing uh, this is this is like the worst idea i can think of it's like the metaverse is like digital real estate and you can buy oh my god like i just can't think of it like i'm gonna buy oh, a house in gta like you know what you can actually buy like houses for millions of dollars in gta and cars and shit like that like just doing that with your own avatar ah yeah and they're stored in the blockchain ah ah. so that you actually own them (laughs) (laughs) damn oh my god man all right honestly i should have i should have just as a separate side note i should have made a prediction that that fortnite skins were going to become nfts so you can sell them we should create a freaking ready press play nft man let's uh, (laughs) let's do that Number six for me is that um, kind of a bummer prediction, but I'm predicting that Ubisoft is going to have a lackluster year with Avatar from Tears of Pandora, which is slated 2022, getting delayed to next year. Uh, There will also be no new Assassin's Creed game this year, and the titles they do release will, for the most part, underwhelm. Including the Mario and Rabbids game? Well, 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 I forgot about that game, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> but I just kind of see Ubisoft, they seem to be kind of like in a down slope right now. And I know that the Ubisoft fans have not been pleased. Um, I mean, like, there's only, over the last there's years, only so. two rays of hope that I got for Ubisoft is number one, you got the, you know, you got the Mario and Rabbids uh, sequel. But also, more importantly, you know, this time last year, Prince of Persia remake was supposed to have dropped. Yes, there's that too. And Dang. so I'm sure that like there has got to be probably a like maybe even like a, a a shippable game already completed out there, you know. So I'd imagine it's going to come out sometime this year, and it's gonna, you know, the Prince of Persia fans are going to come out in droves to like support the franchise, and hopefully we get the Crash Bandicoot re- resurrection of the franchise. All right. Yeah. But anyways, all right. Uh, my prediction just kind of sucks. It's sort of going off of what we talked about with the metaverse. Uh, NFTs will grow in popularity and, most importantly, revenue to the dismay of Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> it is a weak. Yuck. It is a total weak sauce prediction, and I and I honestly hate it. And the worst part is, is I'm right. Yeah, this is such a bummer prediction game. My next, <laughs> my next one is a bummer too. My next one is that Hogwarts Legacy gets delayed. 
That's it. Oh my god. That's the prediction. Yeah. Damn. You know what? Honestly, Dan, to tell you the truth, like I'm not sort of feeling that prediction. Not because like I don't, you know. I honestly think that in 2022 we're gonna see less delays than we would any other year. In my in my opinion, I think we're over delays. I don't know because mm. that's that's just sort of even though I literally just talked about that the PSVR two is delayed, but it's not really delayed if you never announced the release date. But still, you know, like um, I think that yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. I think I think with a lot of people are now understand how the workflow is for work from home. You know, we know how much mm-hmm. productivity can be done. I think that people sort of have a good idea of what the schedule looks like now. Yeah, I mean, as we know, no games ever got delayed before COVID. So, um, that's, the, yeah. That, you're very funny. I think, I think that, uh, you're right. We're probably not going to see more COVID, uh, you know, COVID caused delays. Uh, but I think delays will always be a part of the games industry because I think that the major causes of delays are not COVID necessarily. I mean, there were plenty of projects that were delayed because of that, but it's more so just kind of this weird hype expectation early announcement game that the games industry plays where they announce stuff too early they promise too much development can't do it in time without you know crazy crunch sometimes even with crazy crunch um and and then things just take longer to make than originally expected and i feel like i hope that uh project management and game development can evolve uh to a place where it can work a little bit more like the movie industry. Um, just not like how movies are made, but just in the sense that like things can be promised years in advance and hit their dates because um, of how kind of like organized they are with the, with the scheduling and, and knowing how everything is going to take and, and so forth, so forth. Um, but the games industry is not there yet. And I don't think we will be there for a while. Um, so yeah, I think we're still going to see May, it may not be the biggest games of the year, though, but but we'll see a few. There will be a few big boys game delay. We just don't know which ones they are yet. Okay, fair enough. All right, my next prediction is... Uh, which is the E3 final one, right? Of some... Yes, yes. Okay. Um, an E3 of some kind will happen this summer, whether it be produced by IGN or Jeff Keighley slash Summer Games Fest. But I'll it will not be organized. Here. But it will not be organized by the ESA, and it will not be called E3. Okay. All right. That is very safe. You might as well have a point already. <laughs> <laughs> but E3 isn't even technically canceled yet. That's true. That's a good point. It's still, it's still technically on. And it's still... Uh, wait, no, wait. Hold on, hold on a second. It's, uh, it's currently, at the time of recording, it is currently scheduled as a digital E3 right now. Mm-hmm. So we know that to be true. However, it's going to fall apart. <laughs> All right. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> um all right so the prediction i wrote as my final prediction is not a safe prediction it is a get hype moment kind of prediction that you will probably not believe and laugh me out of the room as you did last year okay and uh but i'll say it anyway just in case i'm right so i can say that i was right okay this year lewis we will once again for the first time in what feels like i don't know like five years now we will see Elder Scrolls Six. <laughs> here's here's what I'm picturing. Here's what I'm picturing. Right? Oh my god! It is the Microsoft slash Bethesda uh, press conference at E3, right? Their presentation, 
Okay. They do a deep dive on Starfield. This game is ready. It's beautiful. It's cool. It's, you know, the best Bethesda game ever. And they go through, you know, their other big, you know, Bethesda games, Microsoft games, etc. And then here's Phil Spencer comes in and he's like, there's one more thing, you know. A few years ago, you've heard about, you know, the, the, you saw this logo for a game that was that was in development. Well, that game is still a little a little ways out. However, we wanted to give you a taste of what's to come in the future of Xbox. Then you got world premiere Xbox exclusive. And we got to see like a trailer of some kind. CGI. To uh, at best. like possibly probably CGI. Uh perhaps like an in-engine cinematic kind of thing for Elder Scrolls 6. And then probably not even a date, but maybe you'll say like 2024 or something like that. And then uh yeah, that's it. So that's my final prediction. For the first time in like what feels like five years, we'll see Elder Scrolls 6 again in some form. No, no, I don't believe it. Like, I don't even like, you know, they're 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 gonna be busy working on on shipping and making their eleven eleven date right now. Like, they're not gonna be able to like, they're not gonna be able to render something or even do anything more than a JPEG, you know, or a PNG. Here, here here's the thing though, Lewis. When when the team is scrambling to finish a game, usually it depends on how the studios are organized and stuff. But usually, not everybody is is busy to the in the same level right like you got certain roles certain people that will be working overtime super busy they're really you know they're really needed at that point in development but there are certain people where the opposite happens where they don't really have anything to do in the game anymore you know a, an easy example is like concept artists right like concept artists have probably been done with starfield already um for a while so I think that once you approach kind of the end of a development cycle, you get into the situation where people slowly roll off into whatever the next project is. So you, you see a situation where like right now, and I say this with no insider information whatsoever, right now, if you walk into Bethesda Game Studios, I doubt that 100% of the people there are working on Starfield. It might be 95%, but it's not going to be 100%. Now, that percentage throughout the year is going to slowly diminish until when we get to, like, the end, it might be more like 70% or something like that. And, like, 30% will have moved on to the next project. That's typically how it works unless, you know, the game got delayed again and it's actually um, farther out than, than it truly is. So I do think we'll see. I do think there will be some early developments in what Elder Scrolls will be. And we also got, you know, Microsoft money's going in now and Phil Spencer's getting involved and... Um, there could be other kind of Microsoft support studios helping out. I don't know. I don't know. It is a hopeful prediction. I figured we should end on a hopeful note. Okay. Yeah. I had a I had my backup prediction just as a separate side note was the yes. PlayStation uh, Game Pass. But, you know, I'm surprised you didn't go for that one. <laughs> um, huh, maybe felt too safe. You know, too safe? I, it, there's plenty of leaks about it already. So yeah. rumored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it, I thought it was a, I thought it was rumored. I don't think anything was leaked, but okay. I I mean yeah. we could it, you know that prediction could be made interesting if if you went detailed with it and like what exactly how it's gonna be and what's oh gonna like include. the pricing structure yeah. and all that stuff. No, I didn't think that far yeah. ahead. Yeah, uh, or what kind of games it will include as well, right? Like first party, is first party included, or how much of it? Like it's just is it just older games or whatever? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I uh, know. I have no idea, and I don't even care to like, you know, map it out. 
But right. yeah, anyways, uh, that was actually pretty good. Like I, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna lie. Like I think that I had the shittier prediction, not just in like the pessimistic ones, but also like the the bullshit safe ones too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe you have more of a fighting chance this year. So uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll reconvene a year from now to uh, to see how we did. Just like we did last week, and then I'll go back and listen to the episode because I won't remember any of these things anymore. Uh, and write I'm it. I'm surprised down, you didn't just make we'll an Excel sheet with like that you save on the Google Drive to like. All right, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> probably just start doing that. Um, it would, sure would make some of these things easier because we have multiple topics that we do that we need to revisit from time to time, and whenever we go <laughs> revisit, I gotta. It's a pain in the ass. Um, let's 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 talk about some of these other stories that we have here uh, today. Um, nothing, you know, super crazy this week. I don't think, I don't think we're going to need to, uh, prolong ourselves too much in, in hitting some of these stories here. Uh, but to start, something kind of interesting that happened this week is that, uh, members of the Raven Software QA team, which is the Activision Studio Raven Software, uh, formed a union. So I brought two articles here. The, the first one from, from when this had just happened, I believe, uh, from Ars Technica, the members of Activision Blizzard subsidiary Raven Software's Quality Assurance Department are seeking voluntary recognition of their union, a first for workers at a major American video game publisher. The newly formed Game Workers Alliance Union is asking Activision to recognize its right to represent the 34 QA testers at the studio, which works primarily on the Call of Duty series. The union has formed with the help of the Communication Workers of America, which has for years been publicly working to organize the game industry through its campaign to organize digital employees and a better ABK Workers Alliance, which is working to organize the much broader group of over 9,500 Activision employees. Now, uh, there are some updates to this. So this more recent article uh, from Polygon, uh, as written by Nicole Carpenter, says, Activision Blizzard will not recognize Raven Software QA Workers Union. Um, and it says here on the update that... Uh, Activision Blizzard has issued a statement regarding Game Workers Alliance request for voluntary recognition. And the statement read, Activision Blizzard is carefully reviewing the request for voluntary recognition from the CWA, yada, yada, yada. There was another statement a few days after that, um, where it goes. At Activision Blizzard, we deeply respect the rights of all employees to make their own decisions about whether or not to join a union. We carefully reviewed and considered the CWA initial request last week and try to find a mutually acceptable solution with the CWA that would have led to an expedited election process. Unfortunately, the parties could not reach an agreement. We expect that the union will be moving forward with the filing of a petition to the NLRB for an election. If filed, the company will respond formally to that petition promptly. The most important thing to the company is that each eligible employee has the opportunity to have their voice heard and their individual vote counted, and we think all employees of Raven should have a say in this decision. Across the company, we believe that a direct relationship between managers and team members allows us to quickly respond and deliver the strongest results and opportunities for employees. As a result of these direct relationships, we have made a number of changes over the past couple of years, including raising minimum compensation for Raven QA employees by 41%, extending paid time off, expanding access to medical benefits for employees and their significant others, and transitioning more than 60% of temporary Raven QA staff into full-time employees. We look forward to continuing a direct dialogue with our team and working together to make our workplace better. So basically, uh, it, was, uh, it was like bullshit. This, <laughs> it was this big new thing at first, you know, earlier in the week. Like, hey, you know, the first union in the in the games industry and stuff in the 
in the U.S. Um, something that's been, you know, people have been claiming for and, and talking about. There's strong movements out there in the games industry for. Uh, and then after a few days, it's like, oh, never mind. Um, you know, Activision Blizzard is not recognizing it, which it's kind of interesting that this happened right after the announcement of uh, the purchase by Microsoft. I feel like that is not an accident. Um, I feel like the people that were working on this uh, realized that this was a good moment to, you know, kind of strike when the iron is hot and when the attention is on Activision Blizzard and stuff. And um, maybe they, they hoped that that would help their cause, uh, but it ultimately didn't, at least not for now. So, Louis, I'll give the floor up to you. What do you have to say about this? Well, I just wanted to say that, like, Activision Blizzard, of course they're going to want to say that, you know, not having a union is better for us. You know, like, it's like we believe in a direct relationship with the employer and employee or manager to, you know, you know, the thing is, it's like, it's a divide and conquer tactic. You know, when everyone is like, whenever you don't have like a, a communal bargaining power or whatever, when you have individual bargaining power, you tend to bargain less. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's just... That that response What's sounds that? like the very typical type of, you know, like bullshit PR corporate response where it's like, like, hey, we see that you're trying to do this to uh, improve your quality of life. Well, here's all the other ways that we have improved your quality of life in the past. So <laughs> shut the fuck up and don't do anything about this. You know, like, you know, we have raised their, uh, you know, <laughs> we have raised their compensation by 41%, which it's, it, it's so funny when companies specifically choose to use percentage versus absolute values to make a point, right? Because I don't know what that... Well, you know, I, I don't know what the what the minimum payment for their QA employees are, but imagine that it was, you know, $10 an hour and then it went up to $14 an hour, right? Or it could have been, uh, you know, it could have been $7 an hour and then it went up to like $10 an hour. And and that would fulfill that percentage, right? But if they actually put that out there, the, depending on where the company is located, it would be like, no, that's shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um. I don't know. It's just, it feels very, uh, the response just feels very disingenuous. It feels very basic corporate kind of shit. And, um, yeah. it's, it, it would have been cool. You know, it would, I, I don't know enough about unions to have a very like strong position on this thing. Um, I do think the games industry could, could probably benefit, uh, from, from the, the arise from the creation of, of unions, especially, I mean, uh, certain types of, employees like you know qa uh qa testers and stuff uh, go ahead Liz. even even the movies industry is, is is unionized um like right when movie movie productions can shut down if a union like goes on strike you know like there's a writer strikes yeah. of america there was um another one that happened last year and we covered during ready play movies where they almost they almost uh went on strike but they averted it because they were able to make come to an agreement at the zero hour or at the midnight yeah. hour kind of stuff but like what I'm saying is, like, unions, they are, uh, you know, they, they do have something that, like, essentially protects the people because, you know, like, in, in general, like, in all across America, unions have become less and less popular. Like, more and more companies, like, you hear more companies about de-unionizing than, than not. Or than, so, you know, they, they, I think just on the, on the subject of unions, like, there, there are some things, there are some bad things that come with it, but I think it does mm -hmm. more, more good than, than bad. Yeah. And if anything, like, you know, I'm not here saying that I want, you know, a union and I'm going to personally join a union or, or anything like that. It's more that um, I would like to see it happen, at least in like one place, you know, like see an experiment, see what happens, see how much uh, it actually improves things or not. And I think it would be I think we need that. You know what I mean? We need that kind of like 
experiment in the games industry um, to see whether it sticks or not. So um, seems like it's not going to be this time. There might be further updates in the story in the future. But for now, we're not quite there yet, it looks like. All right. All right, Lewis. For our next story in here, this is not the kind of thing I typically uh, would typically cover in the podcast, and I'll and I'll and I'll get into that. Um, disclaimer: I do work for EA. I work for EA Studio. I'm working in uh, a mobile game right now, and because of that, we tend to avoid kind of covering or getting too into EA stories. Uh, but we have a big, you know, official announcement that came out this week that a lot of people, you know, are excited about or have a lot to say about. Um, so, you know, Lewis wanted to cover it in the podcast, and I think it's fair. I think the audience deserves to hear it. Uh, I am just probably not going to go too into commentary or anything like that. Obviously, I'll read the I story be... if you want, just to help you distance yourself no, I, from it. I, I'll, I'll read it. It's fine. Um, I just won't get uh, too into it or whatever. I'll, I'll read it, and then I'll let Lewis comment on it. Uh, it's exciting stuff. I'm pretty sure I can say that as a, uh, you know, as a, like an, ex- in an external kind of opinion, yeah. right? As a fan, um, yeah. As a fan, um, yeah. I just wanted to say, like, real quick that, like, the day that Microsoft buys out EA and we're not going to be able to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have no idea whether that will ever happen or not. I'm yeah. not making any kind of statement about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Just sorry. to be I clear. Can't, I can't do that. I can't. Uh, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. No, that, that was pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it will be. It's so funny because it's like, you know, hypothetically, of course, you know, if Microsoft bought EA and it's like the biggest news ever in the games industry. And then we'll go, we'll come in here and be like, huh, so uh, Forspoken got delayed. Um, <laughs> <talk about that." laughs> yeah, um, by the way, I just totally made that shit up. So don't read into it. I literally, it's a joke. Okay, so, so disclaimer. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, the real story here, though, and, and this is directly from uh, EA's official blog here. Electronic Arts, Electronic Arts and Lucasfilm Games announced new Star Wars titles from Respawn Entertainment. Uh, upcoming titles include the next game in the Star Wars Jedi franchise, a new Star Wars FPS from Peter Hirschman, and a strategy game via a publishing collaboration between Respawn and Bit Reactor. Uh, EA and Lucasfilm Games are joining forces to continue delivering all new world-class gaming experiences set within the beloved Star Wars galaxy. Respawn Entertainment best known for their work on Apex Legends, Titanfall, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, is leading the development and production of these new projects. Vince Zampella, group GM and founder of Respawn, will oversee this new phase of EA's relationship with Lucasfilm, building on Respawn's award-winning history in game development and expertise in telling compelling Star Wars stories. Game director Stig Esmussen and his team at the studio are already working on the next game in the action-adventure Star Wars Jedi series and are joined by two new teams working to deliver additional unique Star Wars gameplay experiences across multiple genres. Leading the development of Respawn's all-new Star Wars first-person shooter game is Peter Hirschman, game director of Respawn, who has a long and accomplished history with the Star Wars franchise. The third title is a Star Wars strategy game developed through a production collaboration with the newly formed Studio Bit Reactor, helmed by games industry veteran Greg Forstek. Respawn will produce the new Star Wars strategy game, while Bit Reactor leads on to the development of the title. We are excited to continue working with the superbly talented developers of Respawn, said Douglas Riley, VP of Lucasfilm Games. They have demonstrated excellence in telling epic Star Wars stories, along with best-in-class gameplay across different genres, and we are looking forward to bringing more amazing experiences to the galaxy far, far away. 
Building on the previous successes of our EA relationship, this new collaboration highlights the trust and mutual respect shared between the world-class teams at EA, Respawn, and Lucasfilm Games, said Sean Shoptal, SVP Walt Disney Games, fostered by the expertise and passion within each team, will create thrilling original games for diverse audiences across the Star Wars galaxy. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, don't want to prolong it too much. Louis, tell me what do you think. All right. First off, uh, I've I having played like half of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I would I'm excited to hear the prospect of a possible sequel. Well, hopefully we can see Cal Kestis, you know, in in, in a new adventure. So uh, I hope it's I hope it's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order two, uh, or I don't know what they're gonna call it. Maybe something else. Uh, so that. Uh, most people are seem most people seem to be running with the idea like the headline Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order two is announced, but that's not really an announcement. Like this is it's just an announcement in like in the next in the series and the same developer, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it is. Um, as far as um, you know, the the respawn entertainment situation, they're really only doing two and a half games, okay? Because they're doing their 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 Star Wars Jedi ser- you know series game plus their first person shooter game or first person shooter Star Wars thing. And then their producer, they're a producer on another project that they're so they're not really developing it. So uh, what a producer does, the hell, the how would I, how the hell would I know? But I would say more probably, if I were to guess, probably consulting work or something. I don't know. But that being said, um, you know, respawn was literally the best thing out of EA, you know, bar none, hands down. And I say that as a fan, as an opinion, you know, um, I'm a little, I'm a little like. Um, saddened to to hear that maybe you know we're not going to get a titanfall 3 anytime soon because they're going to be hard at work on these star wars projects mind you that's probably for the better you know because you know that's where the hype is at so yeah my my opinion on this is i'm i'm very i'm very excited and uh you know respawn for the win so yeah yeah um i do not confirm or deny any speculation of course and i also do not represent ea in any kind of official capacity uh even though i work there i don't even have any insider information on these particular projects or in much of what respawn specifically is doing um i will say that uh respawn as a studio has gathered a very good and positive reputation over the last few years uh amongst gamers i think people really like what they've done with the Titanfall franchise, with Apex Legends, um, and with um, Jedi Fallen Order. And I think people are very excited about anything uh, that's that's going to come next uh, from, from that studio. So it's, yeah. it's going to be cool to see, you know, like how much more they can grow. And, um, you feels know, like, feels like Respawn is essentially EA's Naughty Dog. Yeah, yeah. And I, I you know... Speaking not on behalf of EA, but just as an individual opinion, I, I, I kind of see where, where you're coming from. They're, they're really becoming that prestige studio, right? You know, the, the studio that makes, you know, the very high quality uh, products that, that the fans um, really love. So um, excited, excited to see that um, they're going to continue to work on, on cool shit. Yeah. Um, now, going from a new game announcement to a possible new game movie announcement. <laughs> uh, this comes from IGN, as reported from, by Ryan Leston. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is making another video game movie. You, you know, the better segue would have been, speaking of cool shit. <laughs> true, true. 
Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is working on another video game movie during an interview with Man's Journal. The 49-year-old former professional wrestler revealed that he's set to star in another video game adaptation. Open quote, I can't tell you which game in particular we're doing, but there will be an announcement this year, he said. Open quote, we're going to bring one of the biggest, most badass games to the screen, one that I've played for years, end quote. Of course, Johnson is no stranger to video game movies. He previously started, starred in Doom, the 2005 big screen adaptation of the classic FPS franchise. But Doom wasn't exactly a huge hit, yada yada yada. Now, Lewis, let's get to the meat of it. What game could this be? Oh my god, um, Brian Altano uh, already predicted God of War, and I'm like, I'm there. I want that to be the case. And, uh, oh. You know, you know he's he's bald. You know he can be Kratos. You know he's he's jacked and yeah, boy, and just there I, you go. You know, <laughs> you know what's interesting? Like that makes sense, but I can't see it. You know, I'm trying to picture like the the paint and etc. And it for some reason it just doesn't just doesn't seem right to me. I don't know. I feel like. <laughs> Because I feel like Kratos, he has that, like, he has that, like, angry, scary energy. And I don't really get that from Dwayne Johnson. I feel like I get, I get more of the, the dad energy from. Yeah, so, like, he's, he's, he, he's always playing the same role over and over again with the, the charisma and stuff like that. So, like, playing yeah. Kratos would almost devalue that or not, not play to his yeah. strengths. It's like, he has the physique, but I don't know if he has the personality, if that makes any sense. Obviously, you know, like, he, he's, he, he can act right but i just i don't know if i've seen him act in a character that has that same personality as as kratos that that i can think of but that's an interesting theory um what else could it be what not what, to mention what big like game sony studios is like you know hard at work at developing their 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 video game franchises into movies like uncharted right so you know you know who's also sorta, doing a the lot last of, that, of us though? tv show you know like it's gotta yeah sort of it just sort of just gels okay but 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 listen Ubisoft has also been doing a lot of that, right? They they keep they keep announcing new, you know, uh, you know Ubisoft, Ubisoft keeps announcing new movie adaptations uh, and TV show adaptations and and etc. Uh, then we also got the Mario movie recently announced by Nintendo. Now, could it be that uh, could it be that Dwayne Johnson is gonna be you know um, is it Sam Fisher the Splinter Cell character? <laughs> <laughs> uh you know um, honestly i was gonna say uh call of duty the call of duty movie has been in development hell for like a long time what if they gave him a pass at that and I, you know the other thing too is i i think the hint here is that he's played it for years you know when somebody say i've played that game for years i don't think something that came out you know a few years ago i think of like a classic franchise not necessarily classic in the way Mario is classic, but cl at least classic in the way Call of Duty is. You yeah. know, where it's it's more than a decade old. We need a we somebody needs to hack uh, Dwayne Johnson's trophy list. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe one day. There there is a uh, potential pessimistic view on this, Lewis. What's that? The pessimistic view is that he's just he doesn't even know what the game is. He's just doing the PR. You know, like <laughs> oh yeah, the, the the game I've played for uh, for years. Yeah, it's a great you know the best game ever. And <laughs> um, because they do that sometimes. I can't remember what was the actor. Um, there was like there was like an actor that was in. I think it was Keanu Reeves actually. Uh, where he, uh, you know, he, in one interview about cyberpunk, apparently he had said that, 
that or the developers this is what it was the developers of cyberpunk had said that keanu reeves played the game that he was a big fan and yada 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 and then keanu reeves himself was asked in an interview and he was like oh no i didn't play it i don't really play games (laughs) so there could be some level of just kind of pr shenanigans you're trying to build hype and etc and then it's not something as exciting as we think Mm. but we shall see shall see um all right and then finally here before we got we get into our extra news we did get a bunch of new games announced this week uh and i'm just gonna kind of cover what they are uh crytek announced uh this past wednesday that crisis 4 is coming uh that is the new game in the crisis series obviously they released a brief teaser trailer um which does not feature in gameplay the Frankfurt, uh, Germany-based game developer called The Next Crisis a truly next-gen shooter, and it sounds like Crytek will directly involve its player base in a direction of Crisis 4. So there's a teaser there. You can't really see anything that makes any sense. Do you think that it's going to be like Crisis 1, where it's going to like tax your, C- your GPU and you know only high-end PCs can run it? Yeah, the question, Louis, is can your PS5 and your Series X handle this game? Or is this going to be a reason to get a PS5 Pro <laughs> um, in a year or whatever? Oh, so, my God. Who knows? Uh, Blizzard also announced a, a new game. They said a brand new survival game set in a new universe. Uh, this is kind of interesting just in the sense that, you know, Blizzard doesn't make that many games. Um, in fact, I think that overwatch might be the last like full New- game that they've released that is not like a like a remaster or something like that and that was 2016 yeah. and obviously they they have diablo 4 in development they have overwatch 2 in development uh and now they have this new game the announcement is here blizzard is embarking on our next quest we are going on a journey to a whole new universe home to a brand new survival game for pc and console a place full of heroes we have yet to meet, stories yet to be told, and adventures yet to be lived. A vast realm of possibility waiting to be explored. Yeah, they, uh, e, uh, with Blizzard, they don't really do, uh, a, like, they're not really big on new IP, so this is kind of like a big deal and stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting because, like, you know, Blizzard has now sort of become more than just World of Warcraft, you know, they've just sort of, yeah, like, a lot of times with Blizzard, they sort of like rested on on WoW, and now it just sort of it kind of sort of seems like maybe maybe WoW is uh possibly like waning in popularity, and possibly, and they're like, okay, let's let's make the next big thing. And uh, I mean, Overwatch was a big hit when it came out. I feel like they just weren't that great about maintaining that game. Um, you know, ma- ma- maintaining the the success that that game reached within its its first year in the market and they're still like you know a dedicated small fan base and player base to to overwatch but i think it's nowhere near what the potential of the game truly was um so it's gonna be interesting you know maybe it's uh maybe it's time for them to uh reinvent themselves once again a little bit especially now with the microsoft acquisition as well i'm sure that it's gonna have some impact in the development of this game too Mm -hmm. uh and then finally uh we got an open world action game uh, the Seven Deadly Sins Origin. It was announced for console, PC, and smartphones. And I wanted to cover this one because I actually watched this anime. I only watched the the first season, and I do want to watch the 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 other ones. There's like four seasons or something. And this is another one of those games that 
you can look at and be like, ah, it kind of looks like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> and then people were, you know, get upset that, that, you know, it's just a generic kind of comment. But it's just, it's like the style of the world, you know what I mean? Um, that feels, still feels very Breath of the Wild-like, so. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at the trailer right now. It looks pretty dope. It looks better than Genshin Impact, I'll give you that. Yeah, and you can, it looks like one of those games that you can climb everything as well. So if you, I think we're finally really feeling, you know, over the last year or two, we started really feeling that influence um, that Breath of the Wild had in the in the industry. Yeah, I'm, I gotta say, Immortals Phoenix Rising, you were too early. <laughs> <laughs> True that. All right. Uh, I apologize, by the way, if any uh, sound from the trailers I was playing came through in the audio. I think they were coming out of my speakers as opposed to my headset for some reason. Um, but anyway, here's here's our extra news for today. Number one, Nintendo is updating the Switch's Nintendo 64 emulator to try to fix graphical errors in Zelda Ocarina of Time. Number two, a fully functioning fan-made PC port of Ocarina of Time. It's nearly complete and could be released within weeks as the development team has revealed it is about 90% complete. Number three, Yakuza creator Toshihiro Nagoshi has officially announced the creation of his new development studio, Nagoshi Studio, funded by Chinese company NetEase. Number four, Yasunori Mitsuda, composer of Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger, has revealed he hopes to announce one of the projects he's working on next month, speculated to be a Chrono Cross remake. Number five, Watch Dogs Legion will no longer be updated, Ubisoft has said, and the game's current multiplayer season will be its last. Ubisoft has, uh, has also announced that it's going to be shutting down its beleaguered Battle Royale game Hyperscape in April. Number six, Nintendo is attempting to scrub the internet of a fan-made Pokemon FPS, footage of which began to bubble up online last week. Number seven, the PvP servers for the PC versions of the Dark Souls games have been temporarily turned off following reports of a potentially serious security issue. Number eight, Shenmue, the beloved game franchise from Sega, is getting an original anime series from Crunchyroll and Adult Swim, premiering on February 5th. Number nine, Riot Games is suing Vietnamese studio game studio uh, Imba Network for creating what California-based developer calls a knockoff of its League of Legends-inspired auto-battler teamfight tactics, according to a lawsuit filed last Thursday. Number 10, a lawsuit filed by the Roblox Corporation concluded last week with a rare order from a U.S. district court that a defendant must be permanently banned from the online game and its associated services. Number 11, Gran Turismo 7 will have an 89 gigabytes install size on PS5 before any day one patch and will be available to preload on February 25th and will release on March 4th. Number 12, the Nintendo Switch has also the PS1 at 102.81 million units and a roundup that the late physical release of GTA Trilogy on the Switch is coming on February 11th. So Cresta, the new arcade-inspired title from Platinum Games, will release on February 22nd for Switch, PC, and PS4. Elden Ring has gone gold and is still on track for its February 25th release. Majora's Mask is coming to the Nintendo Switch Online service in February. WWE 2K22 has a March 11th release date, and that's training Director's Cut will make its PC debut on March 30th. Lewis. Anything you want to comment on? Man, uh, this is actually like one of the more exciting extra news weeks that like in a while. Um, I'm I'm very excited for the uh, fully functioning uh, uh, PC port of Ocarina of Time. Um, it's been like decompiled uh, like a year ago, and it's essentially going to be that Mario 64 treatment. Uh, with Mario 64, you know, I didn't download it, and you know, I feel like I need to like go out of my way to like download it whenever they release it before the Nintendo Ninjas, you know. 
um, the Nintendo Ninjas like DMCA it, which uh, also just to like be, be my my concern is why the hell are you talking about it to the media? Why aren't you just shadow dropping it so that the Nintendo <laughs> Ninjas aren't ready? So I know it's funny that we have like th- these two stories, right? Like um, one of them is uh, that Nintendo is looking for this Pokemon FPS to to shut it down, and the other news is the PC port of Ocarina of Time. So <laughs> that you know that's the next thing Nintendo is going to go after, of course. I like how the PC port of Ocarina of Time is next to like the news about the Nintendo Switch emulator being patched, where it's like the, <laughs> yes, the PC port is going to have like widescreen support and all this other cool shit, and it's like, damn, that's kind of fucked up. So. Um, yeah, I know, man. Um, as far as the uh, the other story I wanted to talk about is the uh, the Nintendo Switch was almost like the Nintendo Switch sales. We know we've talked about how successful they are and stuff like that. And here's the thing: the part of the reason why I predicted that there isn't going to be a new SKU is because I don't think that Nintendo's ready to make a sequel to the Nintendo Switch. I think they want to make this generation last as long as possible because of how mm. many we know 100 million plus units out there from the wild and they want to just sort of get to like maybe possibly nintendo ds numbers which is at 150 million so you know yeah yeah but here's the thing don't you think that part of the way to do that is just keep releasing new SKUs, but like not a switch 2 but just variations you know like a the nintendo um, switch family of systems getting bigger i think they can't cheat that much you know i think i think with the oled (laughs) you're sort of you sort of reached your maximum well but you know think about it because we had the it was the DS, DS Lite, DSi, DSi XL. Is that it? Yeah. That was like four. Yeah. But then on the 3DS, we got the three. Yeah, I think I think it's usually about like four or most maybe like five. No, with the with family, the th- right? with the 3DS, they had six. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was so the 3DS, 3DS XL, new 3DS, new 3DS XL, 2DS, and new 2DS XL. Okay, so so what we're probably gonna see is that we're gonna see a uh, Switch XL and then a Switch OLED XL, <laughs> and then eventually a new Switch. <laughs> the new Switch. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, we sh- we'll see, right? Yeah. Anything you wanted to say? Oh, by the way, Gran Turismo, <clears throat> Gran Turismo Seven being fucking ninety gigabytes before the day one patch is insane. Like, holy shit. Uh, isn't that in line with uh, what most of these big games yeah, are? Yeah, I mean, like, so I feel like they're all getting they're, all these games are so big. Yeah, like I just used to, I'm just used to like 50 gigs being like the standard, and like Call right. of Duty being the outlier with 100 and 150 gigs. You know? Like, yeah, that's about it. You know? So I just yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I have things on my Xbox. I I, I can't remember if it's like I think Forza is about that much. Um, and I think that uh, Halo maybe the Master Chief Collection is pretty big too um but regardless um you've kind of hit on the points that i would want to hit on so i don't really have anything else to add either um you know what lewis i'm just gonna give the show over to you to uh take us through our final segments here okay so i'm gonna go over uh what's out this week so as usual when it comes to out this week we uh we go over like the very first thing is going to be the Epic Game Store. And so I already went out, went ahead and claimed my uh, free game of the week. It is Damon X Machina. And uh, it was a Nintendo Switch exclusive. And so it's, uh, I don't know how it did on Nintendo Switch, but you know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, it says, pilot your fully customizable arsenal mech and join your fellow mercenaries in defending humanity from the corrupted machines and gigantic robots in this post-apocalyptic action game. 
So, yeah, like I said, I already claimed it. It's cool. Um, I literally claimed it right now. <laughs> uh, as far as what's going on next week, um, allegedly, our free game of the week is going to be... Let's see. Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? Ah, here we go. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're actually having two badass weeks back to back. Allegedly, it's Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. I've been wanting this game. I missed it on those daily drops for like two years ago. It was like yeah, the I was gonna say I feel like I already got this one. Yeah, it was oh, part yeah. of like the twelve days of Christmas, uh, like daily mm. drops. Not this last one, but the year before, or even the year before that. Yeah. I forgot which which year it was. But basically, like I I didn't get to claim it, and so now I've been right. wanting to claim it. Not to say that I want to play it, but I want to claim it. goddammit. it! <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one where it's a platformer? Lewis? Yeah, it's basically or, yeah. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, but better. Well, maybe I don't know. I don't know about better, but definitely it's on that level. It's 2D. So ukulele, just the regular game, is like Donkey Kong 64, and yeah. then the Impossible Layer is Donkey Kong Country Returns. Yeah, I think I remember that. So exciting! It's the better one. So the the game that got the reviewed better. All right. <clears throat> as far as new releases go, um, our um, it's gonna be from the week of January 28th to February 3rd. Starting on January 28th, it's Friday. It's the day this uh, podcast drops. We got Pokemon Legends Arceus coming out for the Nintendo Switch. It says survey, catch, and research wild Pokemon in a long gone era of Sinnoh to complete the region's first Pokedex. Discover the Hisui region, Jubilife Village, and the characters of Pokemon Legends Arceus. Your adventure is set in the expansive natural majesty of the Hisui region in an age long ago when it was rare for people and Pokemon to live in a close harmony. In time, this land of Hisui will, be co- will come to be called Sinnoh. A region you may know well. Dope. I it's actually gotten like eighty six the last time I checked on Metacritic. So yeah, it's been reviewing pretty well, which I'm actually kind of surprised about because I don't know if you remember, Louis. I was a little, I was not convinced with this game. Yes, yeah. I, I was suspicious it was not going to turn out as good as people wanted it to be. Yeah, I, I was suspicious because I thought the Nintendo Switch was like lacking the power to pull this off. But you know, Nintendo knows how to optimize. So yeah. Um, but hopefully like, you know, whenever a Pokemon Legends sequel comes out, it'll be like on the Nintendo Switch 2 with more power. So, you know, um, but anyways, uh, next up, Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection. Speaking of more power, it's coming out on the PlayStation 5 and PC. Um, are you ready to seek your fortune, seek your legacy and leave your mark on the map in Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection? Experience Naughty Dog's thrilling cinematic storytelling and their iconic franchises largest blockbuster action set pieces discover lost history with the curse the charismatic yet complex thieves nathan drake and chloe frazier as they traveled the world with a sense of wonder pursuing extraordinary adventures and lost lore uncharted the legacy of thieves collections includes the critically acclaimed globe-trotting single-player exploits of uncharted 4 a thief's end and uncharted the lost legacy remastered in stunning detail for the playstation 5 console with improved visuals and frame rate. So I've been seeing the reviews on it. It's pretty good. People are liking the, there's two, there's three kind of modes. There's fidelity mode, there's there's a, a performance mode, and then there's performance plus mode, which is like in 120 frames per second. So the crazy disappointing thing about this one is that it does not include the Uncharted trilogy one through three, right? But so PC players are going to get to play Uncharted 4 and Uncharted The Lost Legacy, but not Uncharted 1 through 3, when Uncharted 4 is very much a conclusion to the story <laughs> of Uncharted. You know, it's not like, um, 
it's not like it's like Madden 22 or <laughs> versus 21 where you can just jump in at any point. Like these games are very story driven. So um, that's kind of upsetting, but you know, at least they get something. Yeah. Not to mention like, um, I don't know. I was going to say something to that, but I just wanted to say as a separate side note, uh, Uncharted 4 has this, uh, like their chapter starts off with you playing Crash Bandicoot. So if you were to think about it, you have a PlayStation 1 game being emulated in 4K <laughs> in, uh, on, uh, on Uncharted 4. It's Crash Bandicoot, the very first level. You get to play it, and it's the first time on the PlayStation 5 you get to play a PS1 game. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, true, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. You know what I was just thinking, Louis? I wonder if, about the, you know, I do think it's really weird that the Uncharted trilogy, that they're not doing that with the Uncharted trilogy, but I was just thinking about it. Maybe because those games are older, they're actually putting more work towards remastering, uh, remastering those. Mm. Yeah. Maybe they're going to come in later, like in a year or something. Interesting. But, you know, the one thing I will yeah. say that does grind my gears is that the Legacy of Thieves collection, like, you don't include the Uncharted 4 multiplayer at all. It's just the single-player campaigns. Hmm. So, it's kind of fucked up. But anyways, uh, next up, Life is Strange Remastered. Comes out on the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. It's going to be out on February 1st. Experience two award-winning Life is Strange games like never before. Remastered visuals and animations breathe new life into the great cast of characters and gripping stories. Max rewinds time to get the truth, while Chloe speaks, uh, sparks an unforgettable friendship as she struggles to overcome her past. Recur return to Arcadia Bay. Il illuminated by its iconic lighthouse, this small town of Oregon coast has seen more of its fair shares of mysteries. The disappearance of Rachel Amber, government corruption, family secrets, a raging forest fire, a supernatural storm. As Max, as Max and as Chloe, your choices will shape the past, present, and future of Arcadia Bay. And rounding it out, on, on February 2nd, we got the Waylanders on PC. And on February 3rd, Sherlock Holmes, Crimes and Punishment gets his Switch port. So, Dan, this is actually a pretty... Like, this is, like, the first time we actually had a pretty decent release week in a long time. Uh, yeah. Probably the first good week in the, of the year. So, yeah. uh, what's the pick of the week? I mean, there's, you know, there's two remasters and a new game. So, I think we got to give it to the new game, which is Pokemon Legends. It's reviewing pretty well. Um, seems to be pretty good. Um, I'm sure Leah is going to want to play it eventually. She's just gotten more into Pokemon than, than I have over the last a uh, few years you know she's just playing all the recent entries but she's still going through a uh, brilliant diamond and shining pearl so i think she's probably gonna want to finish those first before she jumps into this one but uh you know maybe uh maybe we'll have her in to share her thoughts when when she gets there nice okay yeah i was actually gonna go with uh rcs as well because you know i'm i'm kind of sort of look it's gonna it's kind of sort of looking like one of those get hype moments kind of stuff like i feel like the Nintendo Switch, when like people look back on a Nintendo Switch, is it's gonna basically have Be Breath of the Wild as like the the theme of the uh, of mm. the uh, of the whole generation, where like every game in the franchise gets its Breath of the Wild moment. You know, Mario right. Odyssey, uh, Kirby, yeah. Pokemon, like you know. So do you think do you think that new Kirby game that's coming out this year is gonna be that for Kirby? No, I'm just kind of sort of embellishing, but I'm just saying like in right. general, like the franchises get facelifts, you know. No, I dude, I, I I hope that is the case. I think that has been the case for a lot of the franchises, but not all of them. You know, there are some that are still 
that got entries, but they're not quite there yet. So, but I would love for that to be the case, man. I want to see, you know, I want to see a new dope Donkey Kong game on the Switch. I want to see a new dope, um, fuck, what was the other one that I was thinking about? I was just, oh, Pikmin. I think a, a cool new Pikmin game, uh, would be cool as well. Um, we mentioned Mario Strikers <laughs> a while back. That's kind of more of a deep cut, but like, how cool would that be as well, right? Like, if we got like a, um, like an ultimate Mario Strikers uh, game. Um, yeah, man. I, I, I hope, I hope we get to see you know entries in all of Nintendo's coolest franchises in the Switch, and that they're amongst the best in their respective franchises. All right, cool. Forgot to turn up the volume on that one, but anyways. Uh, so, um, as far as the, the, or like to round out the, the podcast, we do our ready, press play, uh, list of best games of all time. We're going to be adding to it week over week. And, uh, Dan and I have decided to like, uh, do this thing where we sort of keep an order of like, which game is over which game. And this one's hard because these two games are like not comparable at all in the least bit. (laughs) There's like no genre, no nothing. So, yeah, um, my entry to this list is going to be uh, Street Fighter 2. It's uh, quite honestly, like, uh, it almost, like, needs no explanation, you know? It is, like, the granddaddy of fighting games. And I want to say that it's, it's, it holds up to this day. It's, it's got the very basic structure of what you need to know when it comes to fighting games. So, like, I almost kind of want to, like, advertise Street Fighter 2 as, like, required reading in the sense that if you want to get mm-hmm. into fighting games, you need to have a decent, uh, a decent, uh, not mastery, not mastery is too strong a word, but, like, a decent uh, grasp of Street Fighter 2. Because if you, like, learn the skills and basics of Street Fighter 2, it will carry over to every single fighting game you can play, whether it be Dragon Ball Fighters, uh, Street Fighter Five, uh, Mortal Kombat Eleven, uh, even Tekken to a certain extent, even with 3D fighters. Like there is even some lessons that even you can use in Smash. You know, so like basically fighting games, basically like sort of have like this like genealogy that Street Fighter sort of paved the way. And not to mention that like, Street Fighter is even like even Street Fighter Two is still playable and still competitive uh, to this day. And uh, I want to sort of you know, we've we've one of the things that we've talked about in this in this uh, list is we want to make it to game make we want to put uh, this list as games that you can uh, easily accessibly play and there is no and better, enjoy and enjoy yeah right. uh, there is no better place to play this game than on the Nintendo Switch and I'm gonna tell you why there's two versions of this game there's Ultra Street Fighter Two the new Challengers which has got like you know Evil Ryu and Violent Ken as like essentially like ROM hack characters uh, that were added on. And then also, there I forgot the name of the collection, but there was a Street Fighter collection where it was arcade-perfect ports of the game. Mm-hmm. And it was a collection of every single iteration of Street Fighter 2, minus the new challengers, uh, or the final challengers. So basically, you can go into the main menu, and you have every single version from like the, 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 the World Warrior, which is the first one, to Hyper Fighting, to you know everything in between. Um, so what I'm saying is... The, if you get the Nintendo Switch uh, version, you can experience it in its arcade glory, and you can even, and the Switch even supports arcade sticks, so you can even play it that way. Uh, I think that Street Fighter Two is just like an amazing game, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say on that one. 
I think that's a great pick. Um, you know, I've played Street Fighter 2. Um, I don't care for it nearly as much as, as you do, just in the sense that, you know, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at fighting games in general, so I never really got... Um, I, I was never really able to to stand my ground against pretty much anybody i <laughs> try to play that with but i still think it's it totally fits on the criteria like it's uh it is it is definitely an easily accessible game you can play it in so many different places and, and methods it is a game that has stood to the test of time that is still relevant uh in 2022 despite the fact that the game is over 30 years old now it, it originally came out in 1991 um now lewis let's 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 do the thing that we were talking about let's rank these games so the first one i added to the list was mario galaxy so right now that is number one should street fighter 2 uh go above or below mario galaxy what do you think i'm gonna go ahead and give it see here's the thing they both had like cultural impact right like they Mm -hmm. both you know did something for the games industry moving it forward so i am I'm going to concede this one. Like, I don't want to die on this hill that Street Fighter 2 goes above Mario Galaxy. You know what's kind of interesting? I, I, Mario Galaxy is a much better game to me, right? Yeah. It's a game that I'm more interested in playing. But I was willing to concede here uh, as well, even though I added it to the list. Because what you, you just mentioned uh, cultural impact, right? Right. And I, I feel like... You know, I, Mario Galaxy. At the end of the day, it is a great Mario game. I think. Uh, I think Mario Galaxy legitimized the Wii Remote and Nunchuck, though. Hmm, that's a good point. But we don't use those today anymore. Right, right. right. But I'm saying that people believed in the Wii, and not yeah. to mention like that that orchestra soundtrack is a one fire. So like, mm-hmm. like I, I I I I know what you're saying, but like. Yeah, you know, I, I if I, I were to if I were to say, hey, between these two games, what would I want to go back to right now? Like, I would, I would think Mario Galaxy, maybe. Pro- I mean, like, unless no, you want, how would you say that? You you play Street Fighter to this day? Yeah, you know, I do, and I and I and I stay sharp. My my, my skills are, I, I you know, I don't let myself mm-hmm. get rusty at the game. Don't get me wrong, but like, hmm. you know, Street Fighter Two is more infinitely replayable. I'll give you that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting too. If we think about the way this list is gonna grow, uh-huh. is that both of these games are probably gonna remain in the top ten, if not the top five of the list. Even if we have like you know fifty plus games on this, I could see. Um, probably not top five, but top ten. Like it's it's an in- I, I I don't know. I I think it could go either way. I was the other thing I was thinking is that Super Mario Galaxy is not the best Mario game ever, or at least. Most people would not say that. Maybe I would say it, perhaps, but most people would give it to, you know, Super Mario World or Mario 3 or even some more Galaxy modern Galaxy 2, maybe. Like, <laughs> yeah, Galaxy 2 or Odyssey or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I think Street Fighter 2 is undeniable, undeniably the best Street Fighter game, right? Uh, it would be a toss-up between that and 4. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? You convinced me. Let's let's swap them. <laughs> let's swap them. We'll put Street Fighter two at number one and Mario Galaxy one at number two. <laughs> All right, I'm okay with that. I'm okay did with you that. like what I, I did? Obviously, there? yes. <laughs> my uh, my preference uh, between you know which game I would want to play would be on Mario Galaxy, but you know just kind of thinking about like more like impact and stuff like that. I do think. Street... I think Street Fighter 2 is more important to the world. Street Fighter 2 is the Galaxy reason was. why Evo exists. Just want to throw right, that out there. Right, right. But... Um, 
So I, 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 I do think both of these games are going to remain on the top 10 if, if off the list for a long time, though. Um, and, and then I want us to end the segment by always just kind of going through the list in order. <laughs> so right now, number one is Street Fighter 2. Number two is Super Mario Galaxy. I'm going to keep building the list week by week. All right. All right. So to end the show, we give our recommendations on things to check out, whether it be gaming or non-gaming related, you know, recent or old. Uh, you know, honestly, I did a segment similar to this on uh, on um, Ready Play Movies, and I always wanted to go for deep cuts. And <laughs> I've always, I, I feel like deep cuts are always more interesting because, you know, it's, it gives shine to something old. And uh, this, this week, for me, it's not going to be the case because, like, I couldn't think of something. So I just decided to uh, uh, recommend to you guys something that I watched recently on Netflix this past week. Um, I watched a, a movie that came out last year again for the second time. Uh, and I enjoyed it even, I think, just as, ba- just as much or maybe even, maybe even more. It's a movie called I Care A Lot. It's on Netflix. And it is a uh, movie about um, this shark of a woman who is a very despicable, moral, morally black, not even morally gray, just morally black uh, character. But her performance, the, actress, uh, um, the actress's performance was just so good in that role. Like, she crushed it. And uh, her, her character is about a, she's a, she's like one of those like a court appointed legal guardians. And what she did, she does is she scams elderly people into them becoming her like legal guardians so she can drain them of all their assets and finances and pay herself. Oh, I want to see this. This is uh, Rosamund Pike. Yes. She's the, she's the lead actress in Gone Girl, yes. which is a very good movie uh, that I very much enjoy. And She's perfect for this type of role. Uh, looks like Peter Dinklage is in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to check this out. I, I also feel like I think my mom might have recommended me this movie. Yeah, so. I watched it as oh. my second time watching it, and I was like, 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 really like glued to the TV because the all the actors, including the supporting actors, were just chewing scenery. Like, and the way it was filmed nice. was just very intense, and you just sort of like, you know. I don't know. It just sort of gets 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 your attention. I just gotta say, and some of the and it's like it's like a black comedy because there were some moments that were satirically funny, like where like there was this court mm-hmm. scene and they, they they were like doing like some revealing some very scandalous things, but somehow she's able to like you know weasel her way out of it in the most unbelievable way possible. But yeah, nice. Well, my recommendation is a video game this time. It is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy game that's available on xbox and playstation um i'm blanking on the developer now. i think it's idos montreal uh and louis i got this game over christmas uh i got it physically from my family and i just started playing it over the last week and this game is dope man like it's actually really good really fun uh they really managed to capture the the characters from the guardians of the galaxy in this game uh they don't look like the the characters in the movies and they don't have the likeness of the actors they're all played by different actors and etc but they still manage to make them feel kind of like different enough to where you're not comparing them in your head but also impersonating the the personality of the characters just in the right way to make you really connect with them and and enjoy their dynamics um the the voice acting is exceptional in this game uh it's just really fun to play you know you get into the combat 
sequence like the in the beginning you're kind of going through this tutorial where you're learning you know and and, and they kind of give you the characters little by little uh so that you're not overwhelmed with everything that you can do mm-hmm. uh but when you got the whole team together and you can get into a a fight uh like you know like a battle sequence and then a cool like you know a 90s rock song starts playing in the background or whatever and you're like telling you know the you're telling Groot to immobilize your enemies and rocket to you know throw a grenade and you're just like shooting them the star lord it's just such a good time um i i think this game is actually and i i'm i'm early on in it i've only played it you know for for a few hours like just kind of went through the the first few chapters uh but it has a kind of cool little uh, cool story premise as well um i think that uh i think this this one is really going to resonate with me and i'm looking forward to continuing to play it i hope i don't fall out of it Hmm. um so yeah that's my recommendation this time the only thing that's unbelievable is the fact that they can do a huddle while like all the enemies are like yes (laughs) all the enemies are just like like i guess taking a break and not shooting at them so you know yeah (laughs) it's so fucking funny though um and there's dude there's so much freaking voice acting in this game it's like the characters will not shut up but I actually enjoy it because it just kind of fits the like in other games that might have annoyed me, but I feel like it fits the the mood and the the style of the of this franchise. And the other thing too is that the game is really clever with uh, branching dialogue, but not as much bran- not just branching dialogue based on you know your responses, but what you do in the game as you're moving around will branch the dialogue to the point where uh, you know like we'll be we'll be going somewhere. And then, you know, I'll steer away from the path because I'm looking for collectibles or whatever. And then Rocket will just make fun of me like, where is he going now? You know, he's gonna, he's gonna delay our mission because he sure needs to find that new whatever. You know, like, <laughs> and like literally the, the characters will make fun of you and react to the way that you play the game. Wow. Um, so it's just, dude, it's just, this game is really good. Like, honestly, I feel like this game probably deserved to get a... A game of the year not last year that's crazy i can't believe it got overlooked yeah uh, yeah definitely um anyway man that is it uh just to recap our recommendations here are i care a lot a movie on netflix from lewis and the game guardians of the galaxy for me it is now time to end thank you so much for joining us for another episode of ready press play don't forget to subscribe give us a nice review and tell your friends about the show you can find the podcast at ready press play on twitter I'm on Twitter at PowerUpDan and Lewis. At Chakalaka88. That's right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Peace.